0: I say, Can you dig it? Put your two hands up like that. Can you dig it? Here we go. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. I'm one of your hosts, as always, Jacob Rue, joined by Hani Amadian. Coming to you right after a frustrating finish to a a pretty good game overall for the Lakers against the Sixers on Sunday night. They lose by a final of 113 to 112, a game that, Ani, we got to start at the end. Russell Westbrook had the chance to win the game. Uh, The Lakers get a stop defensively. By Russ, and pretty much a microcosm of what this season has been like with Russ. He has a great play, getting the stop on Joel Embiid. A great contest comes down, does not get a shot off. What are your thoughts on uh, how that game ended and, and Russ's decision there?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean you're right. It is very much a microcosm of of the Russell Westbrook experience, especially this season. I thought he had a, a phenomenal game, uh, start to almost finish. Uh he he was managing the offense really well, playmaking uh like crazy, yeah. had another triple double off the bench, most of an NBA history now. Um his defense I thought was pretty solid. Uh like he said he got a stop on Joel Embiid beat at the end there, forced him into a fadeaway jumper, uh which is about as much as you could expect uh, at that point. Um and then Yeah, I I think there is going to be a pretty long debate about um, Westbrook's decision and also Darvin Ham's decision not to call a timeout. Uh, I think the Lakers got the ball with, uh, I forgot to check how many seconds left, but they had enough time to go quick and they were down one um, and they had two timeouts left and they opted not to take them because Westbrook had a beat on him. Uh, and rather than either getting the ball to LeBron or calling a timeout, he decided to take him one-on-one, and then uh, it seems like he was looking for a pass to the corner um, and just kind of threw it off the rim uh, instead. So, uh honestly, I, I think I am probably in the minority on this, but um, I was okay with Darvin him not taking a timeout there. Um, for the most part, I think... Westbrook made the right read. If you go back and look at that play, he did have Troy Brown open in the corner uh, on a winning Gabriel back screen. Uh, Troy Brown had just hit a three. Um, you know, you, you you would take that t- take that shot to to win the game. I think the biggest issue I probably have with the decision-making on that possession is just not going faster so that if they don't get a, a, a score, they have the opportunity to at least foul. And, give themselves another shot, uh, probably down two or three. Um, But other than that, I I think as as frustrating as it is, and obviously you want to get an actual shot up uh, in that moment, um, I'm not too uh, angry at at how that played out, I think.
0: You are in the minority. I am (laughs) very annoyed with how that played out. So to a couple points you made, Russ gets the rebound with 15 seconds left. Uh, after forcing that miss, brings a ball up court. At that point, I was comfortable with playing it out because you do have a mismatch. And that part I understand, probably agree with um, letting it play out because for all of the great things Embiid is, he is not fleet footed. And if you can blow by him right away, you get to the rim and your best rim protector, you just drove by think LeBron did it a couple times on some switches as well. And Russ had, I think, I don't remember who had made the driving kick right before that to the Troy Brown three, but I mean, the Lakers had just done that. So that worked. I think where things go off the rails for me is when things went off the rails in the play. Seven seconds left is when Russ loses the ball. At that point, I think you have to call timeout because you've lost your advantage. Now you're in scramble mode a little bit. And that's kind of where things derailed, Russ. I, I think he was trying to pass to Troy Brown Jr. There. I mean, he threw a two handed. Yeah, it was definitely a pass. As I'm watching it as we, as I talk about it, unless he just did like a the weirdest two handed set shot ever. It was a pass to Troy Brown. Um, it it's just a. It's it's such a frustrating experience with Russ. Uh, I tweeted afterwards and. This has kind of been my thoughts. I went off this Russ ride. There's just, the highs are crazy high and the lows are crazy low. And this, I thought, was the case against the Mavs on Thursday as well. Largely speaking, overall, Russ had a good game against the Mavs, I think. And overall today, he had a good game against the Sixers. But the variance is just so wild with him. And it's such a loud mistakes or errors like there is no subtle things with Russ no matter what he's doing Uh, it is everything very loud for better and for worse and in this situation he can overall play a good game and then have a very loud mistake basically at the end of the game and that's what we talk about it's just like I said I (laughs) The variance is a lot, and one of my other biggest complaints, which probably is why I would have preferred a timeout, is that LeBron was absolutely fantastic tonight. We'll talk about that. Him not even touching the ball there isn't great. Um, you, He had 35-10-8 and 8 on 15-23 to 23 shooting. He hasn't been any better in clutch time, and we'll talk about that in a minute, or in just the team overall, but it's it's one of those things that just really execution in late game situations it it's hindsight's 2020 when they don't do things right you, you go it's such a f- fine line between great and bad late in games cuz all the mistakes are amplified and magnified and to that point darvin ham not using timeouts uh, that's not a new thing he had two timeouts did, obviously did not use either one of them it's been a problem throughout the season," he said tonight after the game. Uh, "He no, not really. When he was asked if he considered calling a timeout on the final play, I'll take uh, quote. I'll take that scenario every day of the week and twice on Sunday," he said. Westbrook just needs to finish the play. He was kind of pushed on it a little bit more. Uh, "Quote, just being down one point and the ball in Russell Westbrook's hands, I'm comfortable with that." How comfortable are you with, uh, with that scenario and, and how ham has handled late game situations this year?
1: Well, first of all, did anybody follow up on that quote and say that today was Sunday and it only happened once because I feel like, you know, we gotta, we you gotta got ask, ask, ask some questions there. Um, well, okay. So, uh, in general, if you have timeouts, you should probably use them. Uh, <laughs> whether it's, you know, for an end of the game possession or not, I think that can be debated, but obviously they, they could have used these timeouts to just get guys rest. Um, LeBron, as great as he was, obviously in the second half, uh, a little bit more gassed, um, settling for jumpers again. Um, but as far as sort of the late game scenarios go, I think it's just sort of, a flaw in identity of this team. I don't think it necessarily falls on any singular person, but like you said, LeBron has struggled in clutch time as well this season at times, Um, even though I'm I'm pretty sure he leads the league in in fourth quarter points, but when it comes down to those last few possessions of the game, he settled for jumpers, and oftentimes that has not looked very pretty um, the same way that this rest play didn't. And I think what it kind of boils down to is a couple of things. Uh one is that this team in general feels like they uh resort to the star power ISO plays a lot, even throughout the game. Uh like they hung with a really good 76ers team and a healthy 76ers team today, mainly off of the back of Westbrook and LeBron doing the same thing, you know, just kind of taking turns, running plays, running pick and rolls possibly, but not necessarily running many set plays uh, they were just doing a great job of finding their teammates in the paint or uh, when it came down to, to making shots themselves they were doing a good job of that. Um, I think the numbers all season have shown that when they do sort of run their offense and run actual set plays they tend to be pretty efficient offensively the Lakers do um, but they don't necessarily do that very mm-hmm. often and when it comes down to the late game scenarios that is kind of all they do is is run the ISO plays or the pick and rolls. Um and sometimes that's great because you're putting the ball in the hands of your best players and you're just letting them cook. Uh, but sometimes it leads to these moments. Um the other part of this I think is a roster issue, uh, in terms of the spacing that that this team has, which is still fairly non existent, even if they've improved since uh that just historically bad shooting in, in the early parts of the season. Um there was a possession just a minute or two earlier before before the last one where they did get the ball to LeBron. I think it was on a switch after they ran a pick-and-roll with with Russ, and they got the ball to LeBron basically at the top of the key. Uh, it was one-on-one with, with uh, a Sixers player. I, I don't quite remember who it was, but all five Sixers players in that moment had a foot in the paint, and LeBron just had no choice but to take a, a step-back jumper that, that rimmed out. Um that kind of thing happens a lot with this Lakers team. Uh, And, you know, obviously they can counteract it a little bit, like I said, with, with sort of running uh, offense and, and, and sort of uh, taking advantage of other strengths that they have. Um, That last play, again, like improv, improvisationally, they they did quite well with Benny and Gabriel setting a back screen for Troy Brown and sort of creating that space. It just didn't work out in, in terms of Russ getting the ball to him. But, um yeah in general I think I think the late game flaws are just sort of things that permeate throughout the course of every game and, and and the entire season as a whole but they're just really amplified in those high pressure late game scenarios when the other team is locking down defensively and the Lakers uh, you know best players are, are older and, and and gassed and they are not able to execute like they have most of the game
0: yeah. You said it, the, the problem with the late game execution is that they just default to our superstar will make a play. And part of that is identifying who is and is, isn't a superstar. I, I don't know at this point that I trust, um, Russ to do that. And LeBron, as you said, hasn't done that this season, the couple stats you mentioned, he leads the league in fourth quarter points per game. He uh, is third in total points by four to Giannis. That is, or well, no, it literally just updated. He's back to first after this game. 284 total points in the fourth quarter. Still first in points per game in the fourth. But the struggles are in the clutch, as you said. As a team, the Lakers have actually improved. I wrote an article at one point that they were on pace to be the worst clutch team in league history since the process Sixers. Since then, they've improved by uh, 20 points in net rating and still are a minus 13.7. So it's, it's really bad. They're 24th. Nobody on this team is particularly good in that regard. LeBron is 21 of 50 but three of 17 on three-pointers in clutch situations, so it's rough when this team gets to late game because they just default to one-on-one break your guy down, and the it's a mixture of guys not being good enough to do that anymore, and as you said, spacing is an issue, and you break a guy down and there's two, three, four guys in the paint waiting on you to for that drive and nobody really to kick out to. So it's this team is a bit of a mess when you get into late games and it's costing them in a Western Conference where um, it's so little is separating the top 11 or 12 teams for the Lakers to kind of continually throw these games away. It's tough. It's going to it's gonna come back to bite them if it hasn't done that already in general. I, I can't think of the number of games that they've lost. I mean, just in this last week, both Dallas and Philly are games that they could not close. The Dallas game, at least one incorrect uh, no-call on a foul. I would argue there were two. But you can't keep looking to refs to bail you out this loss drops the Lakers to 11 games back overall from first, but a game and a half back of the Jazz. This Western Conference is just so bad. The Lakers being this close feels unbelievable. But I mean, the last thing I want to say about this is Darvin Ham thing is not a new issue as well. I looked back, he spoke about needing to do a better job with his timeouts late in games in the Boston game, another game that the Lakers gave away because they couldn't execute down the stretch. That one was a little bit different because if you guys remember, he played the same lineup for I think the entire fourth quarter and maybe part of the third quarter. It was a long time he used the same lineup. That quote he gave was a little bit more about needing to give guys rest and not bringing guys in cold off the bench, but he acknowledged that he could have done a better job in certain instances of using timeouts quicker. It's one thing to acknowledge you made a mistake, but I mean, you have to actually fix the mistake. It's been kind of a recurring trend of Darvin ham, watching the Lakers late in games, not execute. And so I don't know if the team needs to be protected from itself in those situations. I don't know if Darvin ham needs protected from himself and, Trade Russ or trade guys to get him the spacing he needs, but something has to change because the Lakers are giving away games late when everything is going to, like, these are really important and are already proving to be really important in the Western Conference playoff race. The... We do need to talk about LeBron because, my God, he's unbelievable. After it's, it's a little unfair that the first thing we talked about him was how bad he's been in the clutch because, my words, again, 35 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 15 of 23 shooting, was a plus 19 in a game the Lakers lost by one, and he played 35 minutes. So in the, what is that, 13 minutes he did not play, the team was outscored by 20. I I feel like this is a, a weekly segment where I say some insane LeBron stat line and then it followed up with, "Honey, what are your thoughts on LeBron? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's just sort of something that we have gotten used to. And um, even in this season where I think it feels like he has lost a step more than in previous years, it, it really does feel like uh, – there at least when you watch him play it does feel like that there has been a little bit of a drop off and he's not he's not the player that he was even last year uh when he was healthy but he still puts up the numbers he still gets that production he still has these games where uh he puts it all together i thought he was quite good defensively today as well Uh, so i wasn't just putting up the offensive numbers but uh you know, he, he played sort of like that free safety role a little bit uh, on the back line of the Lakers defense, and it was working out really well for him. He had that uh, unbelievable block. Uh, I want to say it was against um, Tobias Harris, but uh, I might be wrong. But basically, forced a 24 second violation, um, a, a monster dunk where he was calling for it as he was running past the three point line, basically, uh, calling for Russ, Russ to throw that lob. Um, yeah, just, just incredible athleticism, incredible skill. Uh, his jump shooting, at least within the arc tonight, was incredible. Um, he was just hitting some crazy jumpers and, and just getting at the spaces. And then, uh, as usual, his passing is also phenomenal. Um, I, you know, there's, there's not a lot more you can say. It's just that. Uh, he is still one of the best players in the league, despite his age and despite kind of losing that step a little bit, he, he might not be, uh, the guy that's gonna take uh, one dribble and just jump over and everybody, uh, anymore, except for a few plays a game where he does kind of bring that out again. And obviously tonight, I think he had the advantage of a, a few extra nights of rest, uh, between that Mavs game and this one. So he looked a lot more spry, but, um, yeah, he has been phenomenal. He's he's really shouldering a a massive load right now with AD uh, out with injury. Um, so I just really hope that he stays healthy, that that doesn't backfire, um, and that when AD comes back, that hopefully that the two of them can um, put together the games that they've <laughs> that they've had individually when the other one hasn't played. I, I hope that they can kind of uh, keep that going together because Lakers could be fairly dangerous if they're able to do that. Um, I I do still sort of believe that, even even with the flaws that this team does have.
0: I'm not sure why you would put into the universe if he stays healthy, and now I know who to (laughs) Um, blame. I've I've been saying
1: that for a few weeks now, so I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. But knock on wood, if you will.
0: Just tempting fate, it sounds like. I don't want to belabor the point, but we're we're literally saying, or recording this as post-game quotes are coming out, and Russ went Zapruder film and was showing reporters in the locker room a screenshot of Joel Embiid grabbing his right arm on that final play, which is hilarious, and I'm sure the last two-minute report will be very kind about it tomorrow, but... I I just felt the need to mention that because I laughed as I saw him. Kyle Goon said, uh, Westbrook showed a handful of reporters a screenshot of the play where Embiid appears to be grabbing him. Uh,
1: Hilarious. Like you said, uh, the Lakers get wins for these games where the last two-minute report says that there was an incorrect call, right? They they retroactively give them those wins?
0: Yeah, and the officials are punished for making mistakes. (laughs) All of this definitely applies. At the end of the season, they see who – had the most uh, incorrect calls against them, and then they hand out wins accordingly after that. Um, (laughs) It's so frustrating. I understand kind of the idea of the last two-minute report, but like it really just makes me more annoyed the next day more than anything because I try to move past it, and then I see the last two-minute report where regardless of what they say, even if they're like, yeah, the call was wrong, incorrect call, or incorrect non-call, I'm like, cool, well, we're screwed over and the NBA admits it. And then like in the case with Troy Brown's shot against the Mavs where they say like, yeah, no, that was fine. He just high-fived him, which is allowed. (laughs) It's the most insane thing I think I've read in some time that you can just high-five a shooter now and that's like congratulating them and just good sportsmanship.
1: Uh, Well, the good news is that I heard uh, just this past week that the Lakers and LeBron get the kindest whistle in the league. So,
0: (laughs) uh... (laughs) Shout out. Uh you know who you are. The the other interesting thing from these last two games is that for as good as Thomas Bryant has been, he wasn't quite as good on Sunday, but you can forgive him for playing Joel Embiid. It's been Winon Gabriel closing the games and not Thomas Bryant. I think he's played well. What do you think about the choice to close with Winion?
1: Uh yeah, I've been really impressed with Renny Gabriel these last couple games. Um the Wenyan's definitely a, a player that I think is, is more of a situational fit, like not necessarily a guy that's going to be in the rotation game in and game out. Uh, but these last couple of games, he's, he's been really impressive. Uh, he obviously offers a different level of athleticism and foot speed than, than Thomas Bryant does. Um, obviously gives up uh, the size and strength of Thomas Bryant, but um Especially in the Sixers game, I feel like Thomas Bryant was not doing the greatest job of using that strength against Embiid. I felt like he was kind of stepping away from him a lot of times and uh, giving Embiid sort of uh, the clearance to basically take uh, the momentum into him and and initiate contact and and go up uh, for shots. Uh, So when logically you would have thought, oh, they need to match up Thomas Bryant with Joel Embiid because he's probably the best chance they have of, of slowing uh, down a an MVP candidate at the center position. Um, I felt like he wasn't doing a great job of that. I don't think Wenyan necessarily did a, a much better job on Embiid. Um, in general, I think the Lakers just didn't really have many answers for him except for when he himself settled for jumpers like he did against Westbrook that last possession. Um, but I, I do think that Wenyan did give uh, sort of just an element of um, – Defensively, just being faster, getting to getting to spots, uh, sort of affecting some shots at the rim, and then offensively, he was doing a really, really good job of just finding those pockets of space uh, on the baseline or in the paint, uh, where Russ especially and LeBron as well were, were sort of force feeding him, and um, he, was, he had he had some good finishes, some some fast, uh, you know, just going up with the ball really fast and, and finishing through contact. Um, he wasn't the only one. I think a, a few other players did quite well in that aspect. Uh, Troy Brown had a couple of those possessions. Uh, JTA, who I thought wasn't great tonight, he had a couple of those possessions as well. He, uh, even Max Christie had a, had a tough um, a, a, a tough bucket that way. So it was definitely something that the Lakers were going to all game, uh, considering they weren't really running a lot of offensive sets. That was how they got a lot of their points, and, and they dominated them in the paint for the most part. I think they of course something like 70 points in the paint this game. Um, and Wenyen I think, I think was a huge part of that. He put a lot of pressure on the basket uh, offensively. And, and, um, you know, that's just kind of been a theme the last couple of games with him, um, that against Dallas again, he, he was really, really good. And uh, he also gives the Lakers a, a, a much better chance of just switching out on the perimeter. Cause he does have that, that agility and, and um, sort of horizontal quickness that Thomas Bryant doesn't necessarily have. Um, so, yeah, he, he definitely gives – he's just a different profile of a player. And, and I think in some games that is going to be a better fit for this Lakers team than than a bigger guy, more traditional center in uh, Thomas Bryant is.
0: The Lakers had 70 points in the paint to 52 for Philly. You'll take that against Embiid and Harden. Yep. Uh, Embiid, it's hard to say he settled a lot because he was making everything, but, like, he did settle a lot. Uh, which is just kind of one of those night-to-night things when you're playing in the NBA. You don't want to get beaten up every single night. So he was making those little mid-range jumpers all night long. Winyan, though, did admirable. I'm a little surprised. He literally only had one rebound, and it was an (laughs) offensive rebound on like a messed up play where he kind of kept the ball alive. I think it was Russ that tried passing to him. What I'll also say about Winion is I think he understands kind of spacing in the paint really well Mm -hmm. and can put himself in spots where he's available for those types of passes. And he did it a number of times on Sunday where he just finds those little pockets, those little openings. And when you have LeBron, when you have Russ, when you have Schroeder, guys who can make those passes when they drive, a number of times they found him for those little dump-offs. And he's good enough at, at finishing under the rim. Again, tonight there were a couple misses, but it was against Joel Embiid. So, like, you can write it off. And uh, outside of that, and even with that, he was 7 of 11. So, you'll take yeah. that. You mentioned another point about the other side of the court, which is, I think, another reason why they're closing with him. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. So. I think another reason this team is closing with Winion is because, as you said, he is more mobile, he's quicker laterally, um, and he can switch on to guys. And something I've noticed, I notice it a lot more in the game against the Mavs. They did it a little bit tonight, late, not as much. But defensively, what the Lakers are doing are doubling, specifically the Dallas game, they double Luka, and then it's just rotate and recover to everyone else and force them to make a play on, I keep forgetting, Thursday against Dallas. Dinwiddie made a handful of plays. Guys were were making plays, but it's one of those situations where you get the ball out of Luca's hands and you let the other guys beat you. Same thing happened on Sunday where you f- double Embiid Force other guys to beat you. It was either Maxi or Shake Milton that had a layup at the rim at the buzzer for the shot clock buzzer. But that's kind of what you want from those situations. It's hard to pull off that type of defense because you have to have kind of complete trust in your teammates that if you rotate off of a guy and go contest a three or close out somebody, you have to know that the next guy is going to read it and rotate over to your guy. The Lakers are doing it extremely well. And it's something we saw a little bit with Frank Vogel. I think it was in that rocket series in the bubble is when I remember it most against Harden, doubling, forcing the ball out of his hand, and then rotating, recovering, uh, forcing other guys to make plays. And they obviously won the series, but, for a team to be to do it as well as the Lakers have 40 some odd games into the season, I think is impressive because it requires a certain amount of chemistry, a certain amount of trust in your teammates. And for each of the last two games, they've done that. You can't do that with Thomas Bryant on the court. You can do that with Winion Gabriel on the court. You can do that with AD on the court, which is also why I think they might be closing with Winion because you can just kind of swap out AD into that. And, be able to still do that what have you thought about how the team has played defensively specifically in these last two games
1: uh i i think um considering the the superstar level players that they've gone against uh and obviously being without their defensive player of the year candidate um i've been mostly impressed Uh, i think like you said they are playing a brand of defense that is uh, very difficult to keep up, um, especially in the dog days of the NBA season. Just keeping guys motivated to uh, really put it, uh, put a shift in defensively, because obviously that's it's going to be a lot harder for you to have to recover and, and uh, keep running around the court to, to cover a new player over and over again uh, than it is to cover your one guy or your one, your one zone. Um, it's it's a difficult task. It's a difficult ask to, to have, but for you know the stretches of play that they have done, that they've done an admirable admirable job, I would say. Um, they're obviously missing that elite rim protection that AD gives. Uh, neither Thomas Byrne or Lenny and Gabriel are really going to provide that. But you know, guys have kind of stepped up in terms of taking charges, um, uh, getting some blocks from behind, um, still sort of making those uh, big time plays. The one thing I haven't really been a fan of um, and I don't really know what the numbers on this are, I could be way off base, but anecdotally it, it really does feel like that the zone defense that they've put out uh, for a few possessions, I think in both of the last two games, they, they've tried it. um, hasn't really worked out. Um, obviously that is partially results based. If a team just hits threes against you in a zone, I mean, you know, that that is a weakness of, of playing that sort of defense. And if, the other team hits shots, and not much you can do about it. But uh, especially tonight, it just looked like guys were not very unsure about how to play in that zone. Uh, I think Max Christie really struggled in it, um, which is understandable. He's a rookie; he hasn't played against elite competition like this ever, um, uh, so it's understandable that that he would have some issues uh, playing in, the, in that zone of defense, despite being a, an overall pretty pretty great defender, um, especially in one-on-one settings. Uh so yeah that that's probably been my one gripe defensively uh that is like a realistic gripe i can't really like fault them for not being a great rim protecting team right now when they're missing Anthony freaking Davis um but yeah in, in general i i think they have uh played a lot better on that end of the floor than i would have expected when he went down with his injury
0: couple stats i don't mean these as anything other than Kind of backing up the point I was saying because it's a two-game sample size. But in the last two games, 106.9 defensive rating overall, which is very good kind of over a whole season. It's a small sample size. They played well defensively. And then in the clutch, 19 minutes in the clutch the last two games because of the overtimes. But 108.1 defensively. And so they're playing well. I don't disagree about the zone. That has not been good. They just kind of lose guys. They they played a zone tonight and just lost. I can't remember who it was. Niang maybe um, under the basket for a layup. Just like not communicating. You need to talk a lot when you're playing a zone defense. And maybe it's not having AD out there as your captain of the defense. or. I'm not sure, but the the zone defense has not worked. But overall, like you said, that was the area I was most concerned about. That's the area where they looked really, really bad when AD went down. The defense fell off a damn cliff. And so for them to rebound and not look atrocious defensively is encouraging. It's just a lot of these little things the Lakers have done with LeBron, without LeBron, with AD, without AD. Uh if they can piece it all together with LeBron and AD, to quote our good friend Raj, there's a good team in here somewhere, but it requires a lot of piecing together, a lot of assumptions of health and being able to kind of seamlessly be able to put everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything together. We'll see. It may not even be the same team by the time Anthony Davis comes back. We'll have an update on him in a second. It's worth noting. Again, you guys will have already seen this when you're listening. LeBron did not talk to the media tonight. He bolted out of the game or out of the locker room when Russ was giving quotes and just talked to nobody. Should we read too much into that?
1: Uh, I mean, he definitely looked pissed walking off the floor after that last possession as well. Um, which, you know, again, I think it's probably fair. Uh, he's the best player on the team and, and didn't get a touch of the ball in the last possession of the game. Although, on the other hand, he also did not really go demanding for the ball either. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's fair that he's frustrated, uh they got very close to having some sort of momentum and and really building towards uh, those play spots and then went on a three-game losing streak. Um, and, you know, losing these sort of close games in the clutch can be very frustrating. Uh, I, I don't really know what reading too much into it would entail. Like, I'm sure we all know that he isn't too happy with this situation. He's not too happy about the roster that is around him. Um, I'm sure he wants trades. He's, uh, you know, uh, at least hinted at that, uh, possibly after being asked 18 times by one person about it. Um, Again,
0: you know who you are.
1: (laughs) uh, But, yeah, I mean, like, like, I I don't really feel like that him not giving quotes today is a stronger indictment uh, of the team that is built around him, of the Lakers situation, than everything else that he's said and done. Uh, so, no, I guess I wouldn't read too much into it, but obviously he's frustrated, and we can all see that.
0: Which subtweet is more powerful, him saying, I'm tired of playing losing basketball, or <laughs> him saying absolutely nothing at all?
1: Uh, I, I need him to go home and tweet something about the oh, football, no. football games.
0: Oh, okay. That is a little bit better. I thought you were going to say a a. 2am fit in or fit out uh, tweet here that I I would have to write a story about, which could be coming. Drink a couple bottles of wine, sit there with his thoughts, and maybe we get a fit in or fit out moment. We haven't had one of those in a while. So uh, maybe he will undelete the we will make the postseason tweet and and, uh, try that one again. I'm not sure couple news nuggets notes for one as you guys are listening to this maybe even I I think it might be after tonight's game depending on when it was signed Sterling Brown's 10-day expires I don't know that it's important to know when it expires because he only played 90 seconds on Thursday against the Mavs he did not see the floor against the Sixers is there any chance they bring him back
1: Um, I think there is probably a chance, uh, getting another 10 days to, to look at him. I I think he had some nice moments ultimately probably wasn't that big of a difference maker in the few games that he played. Um, I think that King's game maybe is the one where I was the most impressed by how he played. And I don't think he even scored in that game, but just in general, he, he looked pretty good, uh, defensively and rebounding the ball. If I remember correctly, um, I think it's probably worth giving him uh, a couple more opportunities. He does obviously offer some size and some defensive ability on the wings that they don't necessarily have on the roster, and I'm not really sure that there are better options uh, around in free agency. There might be. Um, and obviously, that is the responsibility of the team and their scouting network uh, to figure that out. But um, I-, I think there's – Definitely a chance that if he comes back for another tender, just because there's not much to lose to to offer that to him.
0: Maybe there aren't many wings on the market. Period. So, um, we will see if that's something they prioritize. It's worth noting they worked out Friday, and Ham confirmed it, which was odd. They worked out Boogie and Myers Leonard. Seems like they are pretty focused i guess on maybe a center damian jones just is not playing with but like we just talked about how good winions looked how good thomas bryant has been do they need to bring in a center with that with a 10-day contract
1: um i it definitely wouldn't be at the top of my list for what they need um i don't really see what uh DeMarcus Cousins would really add to this team other than just some veteran experience but you know I, I, he uh definitely is, is not the player that that he was uh by a long shot. I think he had a pretty good cameo for the Nuggets last year but uh, not really the type of player that you would trust in a playoff setting and with the Lakers sort of trying to climb out of a hole I don't I don't think you can afford to have too many players where um, they are defensive liabilities and offensively are, are sort of black holes. And I think that's what DeMarcus Cousins is at this point in his career. And I don't think he really gives them anything different than what Thomas Bryant does. Like, he's sure, he's, he's more skilled, I guess, because he was an all-star player. But at, at this point, like, I would not really care to have him. Um, Myers Leonard at least has a three-point shooting aspect, but he also comes with a, uh, let's say, a ton of baggage, and I would much prefer to not have that on my
0: favorite basketball team. Boogie <laughs> does have that dog in him, though. Uh, yeah, that is true. You have that going for you. I just don't really think they need a center right now. Um, I, th- it, I mean, the two guys they have are playing fine. There isn't any, I mean, there is kind of depth behind there, but it. I just don't know that they really need a center right now. We got an Anthony Davis update. Before slash during the game, he was working out. He is basically only doing shooting right now. He's not progressed to running up and down the court. Uh, he. There was video of him before the game. He also was doing stuff at practice on Saturday. In this instance, no news is good news because no news means he's progressing and there hasn't been any setbacks. Uh, the fact that we heard nothing all week is probably then good news. We'll see if he takes it to the next step this upcoming week. So at the same time, Darvin Ham also noted that both Austin Reeves, I think he was on the court doing work. Lonnie Walker was progressing you have any thoughts about any of those three guys and where they stand on their kind of rehabs and returns? Uh,
1: well, uh, like you said, it's, it's good news that they are progressing. I think the Lakers desperately need to get some of these guys back. Um, one from just like a fitness perspective of, of keeping guys uh, playing fewer minutes uh, to, I think some guys that are in the rotation right now probably should not be. And, um, and the, You know, Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker coming back soon would uh, alleviate some of those issues. Um, They really miss a a third scoring punch, especially with Dennis Schroeder kind of being in a little bit of a slump right now. Um, And Lonnie Walker uh, absolutely gives that. Austin gives them some extra playmaking, some good defense. Uh, And then, obviously, Anthony Davis, you know, uh, it definitely seems like This was quite a long-term injury considering that he has not really done full-court work yet, but hopefully we hear about that pretty soon and and he can start progressing towards that in the next week or two and and be back soon. I think the real question is whether AD will be back before the trade deadline uh, or how much time they will get to play with him before the trade deadline before they make the ultimate decision of – You know, uh, who is going to be on this roster moving forward uh, for the last couple months of the season?
0: Last thing of note back to back, Lakers are back in action tonight. Thankfully, it's against Houston and it is at home. The Rockets this season are 10 and 33. Even on a back to back, I feel decent about this game. Do you feel decent? I don't know if I'm to a point with this Lakers team. They hurt me so much last season that I would be terrified of this game, but I don't quite have that same feeling. Uh, does LeBron come out with a revenge game mode? Or do you feel good at all about what is possibly in store tonight?
1: Um, I feel like it's been a while where they've just like stunk a bed against a bad team. Um, so yeah, I feel pretty solid. Uh, obviously, back to back, played a pretty tough, ghouling match against the Sixers. Pretty physical game, uh, close game. Obviously, so so maybe there are some issues there. I could see LeBron kind of coasting for a half, uh, just so that he's he's not exerting as much energy. So it might be a little bit closer than we would like. Um, but ultimately, if, if LeBron and Russ are playing, and uh, you know everybody else is performing at about the Level that they have been. Um, I mean, they're like the Lakers are not playing poorly right now during the stretch. They just had two very close losses against, uh, two really good teams. Um, so I think they should be favorites against the Rockets. They should win that, uh, you know, fairly comfortably and hopefully right the ship a little bit because they do, uh, really need a win. I think after a couple of pretty heartbreaking losses.
0: The Rockets are the second, third worst, excuse me, defensive team in the league this year. They are also the worst offensive team and have the second worst net rating. This is a very bad team. The only team worse than them is the Spurs, who the Lakers have beaten three times, and the Pistons are marginally ahead of them, who the Lakers have beaten. So this should be a win. Um, I'm not all the way there with the Lakers. I was burned too much last year. It should be a win. You I think you and I both predicted 1 and 2 for the Lakers this past week. It could have been 1 and 2, it could have been 2 and 1. Uh, it, it was frustrating it was neither of those. They play 4 times before we next speak. We will talk after a game in Portland uh next week. They play as we said Houston tonight. Sacramento on Wednesday, Memphis on Friday. All of those home go to Portland on Sunday. How optimistic you feeling this week?
1: Feeling really optimistic, Jacob. Uh, I'm going. I'm going three and one. I'm going. They beat the Rockets. They beat the Kings because it's really funny to beat the Kings, and they beat the Blazers because it's really funny to beat the Blazers.
0: <laughs> you should just <be laughs> going for. Your, uh... The memes. I. Three and one, huh? Um, two and two. They will beat the Blazers. Or, excuse me, they will beat the Rockets. They'll beat the Kings. They'll lose to Memphis. And Dame, like, hates the Lakers and scores like 50 points on them. So That's he'll true. probably do that on Sunday. And so they'll win the first two, lose the second two.
1: Okay. Go ahead. I don't, I don't hate it, but, uh, no, I I really want to beat the Blazers. Uh, these are, uh, both the Kings and the Blazers game. Again, really big games. A lot of these games are, are just going to be huge because, like, Five through twelve in in the Western Conference, I think has like almost the same number of losses, pretty much uh, across the board. So these teams are really, really close. So any win you can get against uh, the teams in in that sort of bracket um, is is huge. So uh, Kings, Kings and Blazers kind of, game for sure are going to be massive ones this week.
0: The Kings have kind of snuck away a little bit in the four seed. Yeah, they're a game and a half up on the Mavs in the five, and they're three games out of the play in. The Blazers, though, are two games ahead of the Lakers in the nine spot. I mean, to a certain point, that is also why the Rockets game is important, because any of these kind of free wins or easier games, you need to win. Yeah. So everything feels really important with these games right now, just because of how tight there's four games separating fifth and 13th (laughs) right now in the Western conference. So everything feels super important, which is why it's this last week, these last two games specifically have been really frustrating. Let's hope the Lakers get back on track tonight against Houston. That'll do it for honey and I this week. Like I said, we'll be back next week talking to you after hopefully a win against the Blazers. You guys can stay up to date with everything on the silver screen and roll network by subscribing But for Hani, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Peace.